Hey guys, this is Drew Schmidt from The Random Anything, and you're listening to The Infinite Rabbit Hole. Yeah, I've been listening to you guys for a while now. Um, I got exposed to you guys uh, from Asher's from uh, Wednesday We Talk Weird. Uh, keep up the great work. Love it. Last week on Infinite Rabbit Hole... Everywhere has their own mermaid story. Like, literally everywhere. If you've got a body of water near you, whether that be freshwater, saltwater, you've got a mermaid story. Guaranteed. So, like like I was saying, there's a part of the brain called the hippocampus. So, was it a knowledge from back then that they had about the brain? And they encode that into the sky clock to tell a story? It would make sense, like, the foods they ate like fish, for example, would be intertwined deep into their mythology and their various religions and things like that. I honestly always thought that they were just like one and the same. They were just like lady tops and fish bottoms. And No, it's fish tops and lady bottoms. Everyone Fish knows tops that. and lady bottoms, yeah. yeah. Sorry, my apologies. And possibly the mermaid lore is based off of the, sy- or the siren mythology. Or they're real. Or they're real. Like what Jeff was insinuating in the dinosaurs episode, everyone's talking, all of the ancient cultures had their own form of like gigantic snakes and dragons. Either it's a mix-up of mythology that traveled through the entire area, like all around the world because of people spreading out and taking their stories everywhere, or they're real. Doing this research totally changed my opinion on mermaids. Gravity's fake. Welcome back to the Infinite Rabbit Hole. I hit record, so fly, little bird. Uh, Welcome back to the Infinite Rabbit Hole. Uh, I'm Kenzar. Tonight we're going to be covering part two mermaids. But before we do that, let's introduce the guys. Jeremy, Jake, and Jeff. How are you guys doing? I'm we're doing very well. I'm doing thanks okay. for uh, <laughs> <laughs> thanks for having me here. I'm stoked. That's exactly what I wanted to happen. Perfect, guys. You nailed it. You guys got anything anything you need to throw out there? Wanna say? I'm actually impressed. This might be our one of our first episodes where the part two is actually done on a different day. <laughs> True. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Injured cold? Wasn't injured cold part two done on a different day? Um one yes. Two of them were. One of them was split. Mm. Yeah, one, one and, and two. One and two. One and but... two were one and three and four were one, I think. So we did all of it in three days. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Well, no. Fun time. Fun Good time. job. Well, Kinsar, it's, it's all yours. So, you know. Okay. Well, we're getting into the evidence and sightings and whatnot today. So hope you guys are ready for this. It's the what? 
the whatnot. Yeah. yeah, that's the most exciting part. I am indeed ready for this. Okay. Alrighty, so I'm just going to read my two little paragraphs here and then we can have this discussion. It'll be a fun one. Uh, In 1960, marine biologist Sir Alistair Hardy presented the aquatic ape hypothesis. He explained in an article published in New Scientist on March 17, 1960, My thesis is that a branch of this primitive ape stock was forced by competition from life in the trees to feed on the seashores and hunt for food, selfish, shellfish, sea urchins, etc. in the shallow waters off the coast. Hardy pointed out that characteristics such as hairlessness, the ability to hold our breaths for long periods of time, and bipedalism could all be a direct adaptation from an aquatic lifestyle. When Hardy first developed his idea, he had just returned from a voyage. He had set out to get a closer look and study the behaviors of the, and adaptations of marine mammals. During his studies, he read a book that posed the question, why, unlike other land mammals, do humans have a layer of fat under the skin? Giving Hardy the idea that maybe, just maybe, our ancestors had developed a layer of blubber in replacement of hair to keep warm in cold water similar to that of a dolphin or whale. Author Elaine Morgan is, well known, is a well-known author and advocate for the ape theory. She wrote the book, The Scent of Woman, published in 1972, which focused on how the accepted facts of evolution were sexist and intellectually weak, challenging the idea of men are hunters, women are caregivers. She also explained that there was a missing link in our evolutionary past, focusing on how humans once lived, ate, and reproduced in the water before we traveled to the savannah. This helped explain some of our physical traits, such as the use of our hands or bipedalism. It was believed by Hardy that our upright posture was a direct result of wading through deep waters. Morgan further emphasized this by pointing out monkeys and apes will always walk on two legs while wading through water. Morgan's books, The Aquatic Ape, published in 1982, and The Aquatic Ape Hypothesis, pub- Hypothesis, published in 1997, went even deeper into her version of the theory, saying that without this period of time, we would not, have, we would not walk upright, have the hand function that we do, we would not be able to control our breath, nor would we be able to speak. She also pointed out that babies naturally hold their breath underwater without having to be taught and they are born fat for buoyancy. We are almost completely hairless, so how else would we have these characteristics if we do not have some sort of aquatic background? Morgan also believed that the reason we have hair on our heads was for protection from the sun, as well as a way for offspring to hang on if necessary. It is believed that half the time was spent in water and the other half was out of water. Morgan believed that our conscious control of our breath and being able to hold our breath for long periods of time is the reason we can speak. Fun fact, world record for holding your breath was broken on March 27th of 2021 with 24 minutes and 37.36 seconds. It's held by Budimir Sobat from Croatia. Hardy ended his paper by saying that it was only speculation to, to be further discussed and studied. To this day, most of the scientific community disregards this theory, pointing out evidence like long periods of time in extremely dry climates, or that species such as 
Homo erectus survived 2 million years ago in a forested or woodland-type environment. There just isn't enough hard evidence for this theory to hold strong in scientific communities. Most claiming it's too crazy, but yet still too simple to be real. I have developed several questions, but I want the other two to go first. <laughs> Becoming a trend, Jacob. I have an idea, but I hesitate to say it because I've been known to say things like space is fake, but... You should totally say it because then we'll make you do a whole episode on it. You're going to tell us anyways. What I was going to say is maybe we have those traits not because we were in water, but because we were in space. Oh. <gasps> Swimming through space, right? Yeah, waiting. <laughs> Absolutely. She specifically said we were waiting. That's why we were. That's why we adapted. Well, developed by realism. You know, the waters above, right? Maybe space is actually a liquid. <laughs> Anyways, I've heard that before. I've heard it from Jeff. I like that one. <laughs> Carry on. Carry on. This is one of my favorite things about the whole mermaid idea okay let's just put it this way if there's some sort of humans living in the ocean and I, you know mermaids maybe just be a term let's say they don't have fish tails because i think that's quite ridiculous my personal opinion um there could be or if there is we'll go with that well if there is such thing as a mermaid there would have to be a period of time where humans were underwater. It would just have to have happened, obviously. There would there would be a fork in the row where, you know, we as as land dwelling humans went to the land and the, the water humans, the mermaids, the merfolk went to the water. I think it's very interesting that we have this amphibious theory. And it helps answer a couple questions because there is a lot about the human physicality that doesn't really make sense. Like, why do we only have hair on the tops of our heads and everywhere else is sort of thin unless you talk about some particular areas like the armpits and the pubic areas, right? Or some people ask cracks and in my case, my back. <laughs> my head <laughs> right. is bald. Right. Right, so yeah, you Jeff, got it all over your face. Jeff, Jeff is all confused. He he would not be set up for good underwater life. Um, but it's there's a lot of okay, I can see this, and there's a lot of okay, I, I, this is probably pure bullshit. Um, one of the things that first comes to mind is we're not really adapted to be in the water. And when I when I think about life in the water, I think about what would be important. One would be defense and ability to run. So basically the fight or flight instinct, right? We move extremely slow in water. And it doesn't matter if we're anything above the kneecap, we're moving extremely slow. Um, we don't, None of our, like, our bodies are just not built aerodynamically to be able to move underwater, nor is it 
built in any way to be able to run through water. I mean, I get the idea of bipedalism coming, you know, through wading. You know, if you're going through water that's deep enough to where, you know, it's up to your neck and you have to just kind of be bipedal and tiptoe around. I think actually being bipedal uh, actually harms our our ability in water. Um, just think of any animals that, that are on four legs. They, they just do better in knee-deep water than we do in knee-deep water. Um, so I, I don't think that... I personally don't like the aquatic ape theory. I think it's interesting. I think it needs some better uh, defenses for their theory. Um, but I think it's it's one of those situations where somebody was cut in pieces to try to make it fit. And uh, although I would I would love to give that person props, I can't remember what their name was for coming up with that theory. Um, I, I I don't see it being a thing personally. Okay. Yeah. Okay, Jake. I have. Thank you, Jeremy. What are your What are your questions? Though, two Jake? questions and Very one comment. Curious. First comment is if they did in fact have a layer of blubber under their skins like whales and dolphins do, um, then that would add for some very shapely mermaids versus the skinny little Skeletor ones we see in all the art. Next, <laughs> the uh, question I have is, um, so they ate selfish sea urchins. How are they able to tell I, the difference between the selfish I ones and the selfless myself. ones? I myself. I said shellfish. <laughs> I corrected right. myself. <laughs> okay. Um, next question is, is there any reports about whether or not mermaids have gills or a blowhole? Um, that's actually a very good question. I did not come across anything of the sort in my research, nor was it a question that crossed my mind. So I don't have an answer for you. Because as far as I know... I would assume gills. Well, as far as I know, is that every aquatic animal either has gills or some various types of blowholes i could be wrong on that and if it's gills then they probably wouldn't be able to sing or speak because there would be no air to push past their vocal cords so the little mermaid would have to correct well they'd have to come up for air very like like a, a whale or a dolphin does but out of their mouth I mean, dolphins can make noises because they, you know, the air pushes around like the chambers inside of their nasal cavity. I think that's how it works. And you can hear that clicking and that, you know, sound that they make. But if it were to actually be words or singing or something like that, it would have to come out of vocal cords in some way or fashion, which neither of those two things, I think, would allow that to happen. So if there was some sort of aquatic ape theory that actually came to fruition and there was some truth to it, they would probably have to have only adapted so much as they have some way of swimming, which makes it easier. You know, like I knew a guy one time that had some pretty serious webbing in his hand that came all the way up to the first knuckle, right, in his fingers. And he ended up getting it removed but it was a birth defect amongst all of the males in his family, as well as having a 
second middle finger. So he had six digits on each hand and on each foot, and he had webbing to the first knuckle. And if they were like that, swimming would be much easier. I mean, think of it. You don't have to have a tail. You just throw in a pair of, you know, was it scuba fins or whatever, and you can swim a heck of a lot easier. Now, if you had, I'm just kind of playing this in my own head and, you know, going along with it. If there was a falling away of people that lived on the surface and instead took to the water and stuff, and that became a trait through microevolution, then why couldn't there be just people that, you know, maybe instead of being a full-on different species of, you know, human-type thing that lives in the water and breathes in the water and stuff like that, more of a type of people or a tribe of people that spend a majority of their time in water and have adapted to be able to hunt and fish and all that stuff inside of water, although they still live on land. You know, like the aquatic ape theory doesn't have to be so black and white or so extreme. It could be on a very minute scale of just being like, these people are just really, really good at, you know, utilizing the sea for their, as their, you know, what they live off of and stuff like that. And they've used microevolution to kind of get there. So it's actually funny you mentioned that. But none of that is true. I don't believe in any of it. I'm just adding it to it. <laughs> it's funny you bring up the whole tribe of people living off the sea, though, because that's an actual thing. Yeah. Uh, the Baju people. Mm-hmm. That's actually my next little tidbit here is about the Baju people. Um, Are those the ones that they literally have their houses suspended over the ocean using sticks and stuff like stilts? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So um, the Baju people, also known as the Sea Nomads, are a group of people who lived in the water for over a thousand years, adapting to a more aquatic lifestyle. The only time they go to shore is when they need to gather supplies they can't find in the waters. They can free dive into the water up to 230 feet or 70 meters, some of them purposely rupturing their eardrums to make that dive the dive easier. During a trip to Thailand, author Melissa Lardo used an ultrasound machine to examine their spleens, and she discovered that their spleens were abnormally large compared to the average person. Even those who did not dive in the water, which were quite a few people amongst the tribe, had larger spleens. Since the since they spend the majority of their lives in the water, it would make sense that they have to adapt to their environment. For comparison, they also got data from a neighboring mainland group called the Saloon. As suspected, the Saloon had a significantly smaller spleen. Very interesting group of people. And a way to live. Right. So if you took a thousand years, right? So if you took people that that in their travels ran into tribes like this, doesn't necessarily have to be the only one, but tribes like this, the stories could easily go from a tribe of people that live exclusively off the sea to some kind of sea person to X, Y, and Z, mermaids, things like that. Yeah, totally. I just, I found that and I thought it was super interesting that you brought that up since that was my next little tidbit anyways. 
You guys got anything on the Baju people? I have a question for the seaman. Uh-oh. I am oh. an airman. Oh. I am also an airman. Yeah. Oh, oh. But that's that's fine. <laughs> now they're getting specific on you. Fucking pog. That's all I know. <laughs> Pogballing. That's right. If you, you guys have any uh, mermaid stories that float around on those giant boats that you guys ride around on? Nope, not at all. No. Not at all? It's not a thing? No. The only no, mermaid the... I've ever seen, I can't tell you about. The the most we get as far as mermaid lore is, I believe, <clears throat> excuse me, I believe that Jeremy's shellback certificate has mermaids on it. So it is, in some ways, intertwined still into the Navy as far as, like, a, a symbolism and stuff, but there isn't any, like... You know, most would be like, hey, I saw a pot of dolphins. Jake, do you have your show back? No. You fucking wog. Look, all right, man. You're a dirty, slimy wog. I'll take that. I'm a dirty, slimy, stinky wog. I can't say too much about the show back ceremony, but there may or may not be a mermaid involved. That's it. Is this one of the things where the the higher ups tell you not to talk about it? Yeah, it's it's a it's no a coming of age thing. Blink if you need help. <laughs> <laughs> Giving myself a seizure. Don't blink so excessively, guys. <laughs> His eyes start rolling back. Becoming <laughs> a mermaid. But no, uh, there's there's nothing. Not not at least in our um, community. Like we work on aircraft, so we're not necessarily sea bound to you know too much. I mean. Jake and I have both been deployed on a boat before, but we're not deck crew, you know. Tell you what, though, we'd be more than likely the ones to see a mermaid if it happens, because we're always exposed to the water. We're not like AMD down in, you know, inside the ship in a windowless room, you know. Or... Right. Yeah, I mean, so, we're on, when we are on a ship, we're on the deck, so. So we get to see all the dolphins and the whales and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So but, uh, what about, like, these mermaids on some of these Navy patches? Patches are just kind of, they're col- pretty much just collector items. To be honest mm-hmm. with you, man. Like it's, this one right here. This one's from uh, Squadron here. I mean, you know. I don't just... know, bro. I, I don't know, bro. Sounds like some government ops to me, dude. But whatever. Whatever you say. <laughs> we can literally have a patch made in the Navy for pretty much anything. You know, like, this guy ate 23 hot dogs on deployment, so we made a patch to remember it. Make me one. (laughs) (laughs) So, it's, uh, yeah, usually it just has, like, patches tell a story, right? They tell where you're from, what command you're at, what job you do sometimes, um, the purpose of the job that you're at, like, uh, Jake can kind of fill in here a little bit, too. Uh, we do these things called detachments that we, we call debts in short. They're like miniature deployments. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times when you go on these debts, you create a debt patch. Um, like I have one over here with the Thundercats. We were, we were known as the Thundercats while we were out there. So we made Thundercat patches for everybody. We had one with Randy Savage holding two, um, Hellfire rockets that said our, uh, our debt and our, squadron on it because we would roast each other so hard our our chain of command were like you guys are a bunch of savages so we had randy savage (laughs) on a patch (laughs) i see the coolest one i've ever seen and i'm gonna buy it it? (laughs) 
shell back ancient order of deep. You cannot you order can't. that. You can't. It says right here, 895. The FBI will kill you. The Navy <laughs> will come after you. They're already on his ass. Oh, yeah, I'm flagged. I'm not. Like... <laughs> I'm pretty sure if you get a shell back patch, that's considered. Uh, stolen uh, Valor. Stolen Valor. No, it's <laughs> not. It's Stolen Valor if you use it to try to gain some sort of, you know, benefits or something like that. If I just got it sitting here on my fucking desk. Did you know that there's certain clubs that you can't get into if you're not a shellback? Did you know that I could buy this patch for eight ninety five right now? Yeah, but you couldn't get a certificate. I don't need. So what you're saying is I need to re-enlist so I can so I can get out of being a stinky, smelly wog. Yeah, Photoshop. (laughs) You're you're like one of the most disgusting creatures on the face of the planet. Whitney has her blue nose, and I bet you don't have that, and you don't know somebody that has that besides her. Uh, actually, the debt that was opposite of us all went to the Arctic Circle. Nope. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Besides them. While you were at 22 and me, so I, I know a whole debt that has no Besides them. <laughs> anyway. Uh, no, I don't. I'll, I'll show you the coin sometime. She wants to get a tattoo of it. It's pretty sick. I'm going to get a showback tattoo at some point. Anyway, back to this. <laughs> No, as far as I know, there is no uh, mermaid lore that still cycles through the Navy unless it's for traditional reasons. Fair enough. Hmm. You better not buy that fucking patch. I already did. I already did it on the way. I will send you patches. You didn't deserve that one. Nope, too late. Sorry. Not sorry. Anyways... You guys want to talk about sightings now? Yes. Yes, please. Okay, we can totally make that happen. Uh, you guys ready and strapped in? I'm so strapped. Me Perfect. too. Perfect. There have been several sightings throughout history, starting in 1430. The Dutch mermaid was said to have been spotted sw- swimming in a local river after the dike had cracked, causing a flood. It is believed that after the repairs were done, the mermaid was trapped. So people tried to capture her. Now I found a diff- couple different endings to this story. So um, just it kind of sucked. I, I got to be honest. But uh, one ending was that she was transformed into a human and became completely mute. And another said that she became a fully functioning member of society. I don't know which one's true, but there's that. Um. Probably the most famous known sightings is from Christopher Columbus. June of 1492, Columbus had set sail across the Atlantic Ocean in search of the New World. Six months along, on January 9th, 1493, Columbus was sailing past what is now known to be the Dominican Republic and claims to have seen three mermaids. To quote Columbus, they were not half as beautiful as they were painted. It is believed that what Columbus really saw was manatees. Other sightings that also could have been manatees include that of John Smith of Jamestown, who claimed in the early 1600s to have seen a mermaid. Uh, It is said that he saw a woman swimming with all possible grace, who despite her long green hair was by no means unattractive. This account is heavily debated on its legitimacy. It is believed that this is nothing more than a story of a writer. 
Another sighting came from Henry Hudson. A quote from his logbook on June 15, 1608 says, This morning, one of our company looking over broad saw a mermaid. From the navel upward, her back and breasts were like a woman's, as they say they saw her. Her body was as big as one of us, her skin very white, and long hair hanging down behind her, the color of black. In her going down, they saw her long tail, which was the which was like the tail of a porpoise or a speckled and speckled like a mackerel. Couldn't find too much else on Henry Hudson's sighting. With these sightings in particular, it could have been manatees, dugongs, or Stetler's sea cow, which is now extinct, that they could have mistaken for mermaids. What do you guys think of that? I don't know how you could mistake a manatee for a mermaid. I just put a link in this little chat here for you guys to look at. Now I'm in Florida and I'm right next to the coast. <clears throat> Go fishing all the time. And I see manatees all the time. In fact, last time I went fishing, one swam up probably within like 10 feet of me. They do not look anything like what you would think a mermaid is. They literally look like a blob in the freaking water. Uh, they're not cute. Well, they're kind of cute, but they're not beautiful. <laughs> I well, too grew up in Florida. And I, too, have spotted plenty of manatee in my life. And uh, I also do not think that I would ever mistaken in a manatee for mermaid. I did not grow up in Florida, yet I have also seen manatees. And I would not mistake them for anything other than whatever it is that they are. A porpoise, I suppose. Um, are they? Are they no their own idea. type of type of something? I have no idea. But uh, this they look, last, the, they look the, like creatures that would come out of water, like seals. Yeah, maybe. This oh, last, um, what? It was like Hudson something. What was the last one? Henry Hudson. He Henry Hudson. is a Canadian explorer. It's he's he's what the Hudson's Bay is named after. Fun Canadian fact. Sorry. It feels to me that he more than likely saw a dead body being eaten by something. Possible. I can see that. You know, super pale skin. Uh, What did he say? Long green hair. Maybe she was tied up in in the the seaweed. Yeah. Yeah. I don't (laughs) He saw a dead body that was being eaten by like a grouper, and he was just like, mermaid! (laughs) (laughs) So I had a little bit of a theory on uh, these sightings. Mm -hmm. I I didn't do too much of a dive into it, because I was a little bit distracted by the rest, but what if it's a beluga they saw? Uh I just put a link in the chat. And belugas have like knees. Whoa, they freak, they have freaky. actual knees to them, and they have that mermaid like two tip tail, just like a whale, just like a dolphin, like a like a porpoise. I can see that more than a manatee for sure. But what I was just wondering is, did like these explorers and pirates and all that like were they? Were they also eating psychedelic mushrooms? Like a lot of other <laughs> good well, question. You know, a lot of cultures, you know, going back thousands of years, like they ate mushrooms 
all the freaking time, right? Like the the Vikings, for instance, <clears throat> they just like would munch down mushrooms all day. They'd go into battle and they would just eat a bunch of mushrooms before battle. And like, so I'm wondering, did you know John Smith or Columbus? Like, were they also eating psychedelic mushrooms? And then shit. I mean, can see whatever. Yeah, interesting fact about Christopher Columbus is he did a massive amount of crank. So I mean, I believe it. <laughs> made that up, but it's believable. <laughs> Definitely believable. You know, Jeff just brought up a, a memory of when we had CJ on, and CJ made the point that back in the day, a lot of people, especially sailors, would drink alcohol because it was considered to be um, it was cleaner than than regular water because it was sterile, sterile, yeah, easier to find than than clean water. Yeah, right. So, you know, if these sailors, these these explorers were drinking barrels of alcohol, you know, and they were already dehydrated. Because I'll tell you right now, one thing that has dehydrated me more or quickly, more quickly, quicklier, quicker. There we go. The, the one thing in the world that has dehydrated me quicker than anything else is being on the flight deck. And uh, I, I could only imagine that these these guys that were out there working very hard on the decks of ships, drinking nothing but alcohol, between dehydration and intoxication, probably going to see something. Now, I know alcohol is not going to cause uh, hallucinations, but dehydration definitely will. Dehydration I, for sure will. And being dehydrated and intoxicated at the same time. I could only imagine what people are seeing. I well, probably wouldn't mistake a manatee for a mermaid. If not, I would just see mermaids. <laughs> I have you can two also things brew, for that. You can also brew beer with mushrooms. <laughs> and, and, yes. Well, Jeff. no, I'm serious. Listen, this is we love I'm, you being, I'm being serious, okay? Because if you're on a boat, right, like one of these older wooden sailboats, right, traversing the waters around the, the world. You know, there's not a whole lot of room for you to like have stuff, but mushrooms don't take a lot of room. So I can imagine that they would have they would have a practice of growing mushrooms on the boat for eating and whatever else. And they might be using those mushrooms also for making beer and they could be psychedelic mushrooms. So now you're getting like two for drunk and you're tripping <laughs> crossfaded. So I got two things. One is the types of beer that were utilized in order to uh in order to keep you from keep you hydrated they're called small beers and basically they'd have incredibly low alcohol content like 1 to 2% and they would take fresh water on these boats and cuz the same amount of space to take a uh a barrel of beer is the same amount of space you need for a barrel of water so they would take water on these ships. They would be drinking small beers that were more of a hydrating effect and would not get you intoxicated unless you drank an awful lot of it. Keep in mind, they did have liquor as well, right? So they were making liquor. They were making whiskey for a very, very long time. So I – and I've never been so drunk that I hallucinated. Now, I'm not saying it's not possible. But I really 
despise that like that line of thinking every time we bring it up because it's just like it doesn't make any sense it's no, like it's not. it's something to say like well maybe it could have been this and maybe it could have been that but it's just like you have to reach so far into it because these guys are professional sailors these people that did all this exploration and mapped out the whole earth as far as you know we know today jeff whether that's true or not but these people were professionals at that. They did this all the time. They knew that it was going to take months and months and months and months. They prepared for that. They would stop into other places where settlements had already been established to resupply. So they weren't going these, unless there was a storm that knocked them way off course, they weren't running into areas where they're just like, well, we have no water left. We got to drink all this beer. We're going to be incredibly intoxicated and worthless in case an emergency happens. Like they, they, had plans and you know things like that so it's like yeah it's possible and it's possible for dehydration and stuff but there's so many old stories of you know sailors running into mermaids that it couldn't have literally been every single ship that was out there they were just winging it and they're just be like i don't know you know let's take a bunch of psychedelics and stuff and and see what happens you know because ships were expensive you know, if they knew that these mushrooms had psycho- psychedelic effects and caused you to trip out, they probably wouldn't be sailing while eating them because they wouldn't want to smash their ship into a rock and then lose their only way of travel as well as lose an incredible investment. So, I mean, I like it as like a, a throw it out there and be like, hey, maybe this or maybe that, but I don't think it holds any weight whatsoever. Well, first thing, people are dumb. Sure. That's the first thing yeah. I'm gonna say. Second, <laughs> people I, think that the world is round. Yeah, right? idiots. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, I'm totally on board with the whole alcohol not causing hallucinations. I've never been that drunk either, and I can't imagine ever getting that drunk. I feel like I'm if that you drunk were... right now. Yeah, <laughs> there you go, Jeff. Good. Uh, <laughs> I feel like if you ever got that drunk, you have far more problems than goblins you see in front of you. Um, the mermaids. <laughs> oh, the mermaids! Thank Pur- you. Pulling your buddies over the the railing and drowning them in the sea. But here goes a question, okay? Mm. Scuttlebutts, right? Mm-hmm. Jake, you know what a real scuttlebutt looks like? Probably not. Okay, so a scuttlebutt is a term that we use in the navy, and it means two things: one, chat, chatters, rumors, rumors yeah. shit like that, gossip, the right? scuttlebutt around the ship. Yeah, right. And the second thing is it's actually a half of a cask, like a whiskey cask. Uh, and people used to take their cups and dip their cup into the cask full of water and drink it. Okay, no so you know what it looks like. <laughs> yeah, it's just like it's just a like a bathtub full of water. It's called a scuttlebutt. So now in the Navy, we call like drinking fountains, we'll call them scuttlebutts. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, they did used to bring water. But think of it in two different ways here. Okay, one, think of the storage before they open the scuttlebutt, right? Which is just a, a cask, like a whiskey cask. Yeah. And then have that same cask, one full of water and one full of, we'll just say whiskey. Okay, just to be on the safe side. Or beer. Fuck right. beer. Yo, beer and whiskey. Or beer and water. Beer, although it does have yeast and, and other things inside of it, it will get... You know, some crummy shit in there. Yeah, it'll, right? it'll rot. 
it, it will rot, but what's the worst that's going to happen from that? You're going to get a stomach ache from the, the yeast uh, bloom and, and stuff like that. You're not going to get really fucked up from that. Um, my question is, because I don't know, but the same cask that's holding water, mm-hmm. fresh filtered water without any of the chemicals that we're used to today. Definitely growing algae. Definitely growing some shit, right? What's the effect of algae and stuff on the body? Can you hallucinate off that? It may sound like a really dumb question, but I'm seriously asking if any of you know. So I don't. Maybe wherever, wherever you get, um, was it Jardia? Is the uh, is the bug that's in, you know, not clean water, and uh, get dysentery and all kinds of stuff. But I don't know if that's more like standing water in a uh, pond versus water that has gone bad in a container. But right. if you're talking about a ship with, let's just call it 40 people, you know, I would imagine that there would be a way to where they'd be like, okay, so let's take the same amount of water, same amount of fluids, put it in smaller containers, so that way, once we break the seal and it's no longer airtight and it's exposed to the elements, we can consume this before it goes bad. So, I mean, again, these people weren't stupid, right? People in general are dumb, but these people weren't dumb because these were the sorts of people that figured all this stuff out. What sort of plants can we eat? Which ones will kill you? You know, all kinds of stuff. I'm sure that they were able to see like, hey, I left this pail of water out for a week and it's gone green and stuff like that. So it needs to be consumed before this happens, you know? Yeah, but you're not. Okay, so more, right? Yeah. One, you're not going to see inside of a cask. Two, sure. the the standards of cleanliness was not a thing back then. It, right. Standards of cleanliness is actually a, a, a fairly newer concept. Because mm-hmm. even back in the day of the scuttlebutt, the reason why the whole scuttlebutt thing was discontinued was because people weren't washing their cups before dipping them back into the scuttlebutt. People would drink it, dip their thing back in the scuttlebutt. Mm-hmm. So you're just constantly putting spit back in there and drinking other people's spit mm-hmm. and not to mention you know if that's oh delicious <laughs> but if if you're not if you're not cleaning it right and you're just constantly doing that stuff and then you put it away for the night or for a couple of days and it bakes in the hot sun and shit not only are you building algae but you're building all this bacteria that's coming from people's mouths in that scuttlebutt and you like challenge you look up a picture of a scuttlebutt it's literally a cask with a hole in it that's all it is it's well, think dark about, think about when we go on the ship right we get the the boat crud right you get sick for like two weeks you get the double dragon sometimes double because dragon. you are being introduced to every single form of bacteria and germ that's on that ship that you didn't already have right you get sicker than crap i would imagine that if the standards of cleanliness were so poor that they would have immune systems that could take that sort of stuff that everyone on that ship would have been exposed to each other's germs eventually and so maybe that wouldn't have been such an issue but at the same time sure let's say that the you know water that they had or the beer that they had started to turn after a while and they just were built in a way where after generations of not having quote-unquote clean water you know by our standards 
they're just able to take that sort of stuff like it's really no big deal to them versus us where we drink out of a you know somewhat unclean puddle and we crap ourselves to death right agree to disagree they were definitely tripping out it was the mushrooms (laughs) (laughs) i i I think that there could have been definitely some influence by something that they were ingesting for sure like uh uh, like rye bread causing people to trip out during the uh salem witch trials i was just gonna say that was a huge there was like a town in france or something that ate bad bread i messed with them i just think that there's no way i'm having trouble thinking that people are looking at manatees and thinking they're mermaids now the other question that comes to mind about that whole situation is how familiar were these people already with manatees you would have to think being sea dwellers right people that Mm -hmm. are constantly on boats and stuff you're seeing manatees I mean, is manatee, are manatees just an American thing or is that all over the world? Because, I mean, we're we're in the same latitudes as like Spain and and uh, Portugal and all those other seafaring places, right? Italy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you would think that manatees would be everywhere. I, does anybody anybody bring that up? See if uh, manatees are from other places in the world. I mean, are they just seeing them for the first time? When they come to America? I don't think that that would... Yeah, that's a, a great question. I don't, I'm don't. i not certain if that would even be a factor then. if, Or if someone... If they already had the legends in their back pocket of mermaids, and then they saw a manatee, and let's just reach and reach and reach, but why not? You know, they see a manatee, they're already dehydrated, they're tripping balls because <laughs> of the bread, and <laughs> then... uh they see this thing and then it just, you know, same way with like your Bigfoot sighting. You mm-hmm. saw Bigfoot, you had no frame of reference except that you knew that you saw something that you've never seen before until years later and you see a TV show that has Sasquatch on it and you're like, that's it. That's what I saw. Mm-hmm. Maybe they already had that frame of reference and then. You know, they're superstitious people. They, you know, a lot of people were back in the day, very superstitious, all this sort of stuff. And then they, you know, they're thinking, I, we might run into a siren or we might run into X, Y, and Z. And then they see something like that or uh, what Kenzar showed us. What was it? The, um, the well, whale. Yeah. And it, the they're just whale. like, right. And they're just like, that's a mermaid. Or that's a siren, or that's a whatever, you know? Okay, so I have an answer for your question. There are three accepted living species of manatees. You have the Amazonian manatee, the West Indian manatee, and the West African manatee found in the Caribbean Sea, the Gulf of Mexico, the Amazon Basin, and West Africa. Okay, so they're not from all around the world. Maybe that maybe it is the first time that they're seeing them here. And that's, you know, the, the Hudson thing. I know that he went in through the Long Island Sound, right? Uh, yeah. Isn't he down, down there as well? I know he did a lot of stuff in Canada and the Hudson River and, mm-hmm. and all that stuff, but I, I believe he was down in New York for a little while as well. He definitely didn't see Manatee. Yes. I don't think there's, I think no. it's too cold up there for them. Yes. Um, but yeah, without, without reference, that's a good point, Jake, that without reference, Maybe, maybe they do 
look at a manatee and think it's a mermaid. You know, if you've never seen one before, maybe. But you you know that there's some crazy motherfuckers out there that have probably tried shooting the damn thing, and they had they had eaten a manatee. You know, oh for sure, damn well that somebody ate a manatee. Oh yeah, of course. This is this awesome. is get, getting more interesting now. I like where this is going. I have a handful more sightings here. A couple more paragraphs. Are you trying to tell us to shut up, Gunzar? No. You could say C- yes. Continue your conversation. No, no I'm just kidding. Sounded like to me. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, uh, "Will you then... boys shut your mouths?" I'm trying to present here. That's yeah, what she we're forty seven. No, it's an interesting conversation. Got, like, paragraphs in. <laughs> as we argue with each other. Yeah, we're both probably wrong. Honestly, someone's going to come in in our comments of our group, or they're going to leave a really stinky like review in their back. These guys are idiots. Shut up, Jake. Don't put that on us. Go ahead, Kenzar. <laughs> Alrighty. Uh I got stories about mer children. <gasps> yeah. Sea monkeys? No. No. Oh. Maybe. That's what you want to Is this that new Disney children movie? Children are monkeys, I guess. No, you ever huh? had sea monkeys before? What? They're brine shrimp called sea monkeys. Oh yeah, I've I've had sea monkeys before. Okay. Anyways, Hey everybody, bear with us while we take this quick break. In 1810, there was a fisherman from the Isle of Man who claimed to hear a dying bird. When he went to investigate, instead he found two mer-children. One was unfortunately dead, while the other was badly injured. The fisherman took the injured mer-child and nursed it back to health, eventually releasing it back to sea. There are also tales that tell of Edward Teach, a famous pirate who sailed the West Indies, also known as Blackbeard. It is said that he had his crew steer clear of certain areas, believing that they were inhabited by the merfolk. However, Blackbeard encounters are sometimes questioned because his journal was never actually found. It is believed that these stories were actually created by a man named Captain Charles Johnson, to suit his needs. There's sightings all the way to current day. Some more recent sightings, like the active past mermaid, the Kiret Yam sighting, and the Zimbabwe dam workers in 2012. The active past mermaid was spotted by the passengers of, of the BC ferries closer to the west entrance of the pass near Victoria, BC. Canada. Uh, back in 2009, the city of officials, the city officials in Kiryat Yam, Israel, put a one million dollar reward out for anyone who could capture a clear picture of this mermaid. To this day, the reward has never been claimed. And then in Zimbabwe, in Zimbabwe, 2012, reports show that a mermaid spooked the workers early in construction of the dam. They had to fly in foreign workers to finish the dam because locals refused to go back to site. Even some of those workers would refuse to do the job. Uh, It's even been reported that they held rituals to try and please the mermaids. I read that they had a beer ritual, which I thought was really cool. Hmm. If I was a mermaid, I'd I'd accept a beer ritual. (laughs) Depends (laughs) on if your body can process it. Yeah, that's true. Be like, why are you handing me this arsenic? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's the end of my sightings, though. What you guys think? 
did they say the ones the people in Africa that got so in Zimbabwe that got so spooked from the mermaid? Did any of them describe what it looked like, or could it have just been somebody swimming and then they just like? I couldn't find anything on descriptions for these ones. Mm. Um, well, the act of past mermaid, I I got a description of, but honestly, that one was kind of boring. I just wanted to mention it because it was Canada. Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> well. So we have to talk about this quote unquote mermaid being recorded on the beach of Africa, right? The one that just came <laughs> oh, out. Oh, like, new two one. Weeks yes. Ago. Yeah. We got to talk about this. Yeah. So um, let me see the best way to put this. I wish, I wish we had a, vi- a visual podcast, but we don't. <laughs> um, and we could show you this video. We, we did. Kenzar, you posted it in the in the group already, didn't you? Yes, while, I did. While I'm talking, do you mind finding the date on that so anybody listening to this can go to the group and, and watch I that video? I can do that right quick, yes. So basically, this looks like a poor girl shoved in the mouth of a fish. And the bottom half is fish. But, I don't know, man. I haven't really dove into it. But it definitely looks pretty good. Like if someone's faking this, it's I have pretty. pretty I don't. I my have thing with it. it okay, fake. I'm sure it is. Okay, so I posted it twice. I posted one on April 10th, and then one six days ago. But I don't think that link actually worked properly. Um, but on April 10th, I posted the YouTube link to this this video. My thing with the video is there's no cohesiveness between the upper body and the fish body. It literally just looks like they... My problem also is that the fish is still alive. So this poor fish has the lower half of a young child rammed into it. (laughs) It's, (laughs) Um, It's pretty fucked up. Let's be honest. It really is. It really is. It's it's this this little okay. kid painted with a synthetic wig shoved into the mouth of a fish. It's so Jake, I, I looked it up. I want to I want to put your minds at ease. It's not Please a do. it's not a fish with a person shoved into it. Although if you found a massive fish and you your four year old was there, what else would you do? But anyway, <laughs> so it was a fish, right? It was a video. This is what this article that I found. I'll have to send you guys a link so we can post it in our resources. But it was a video of a really dang big fish. It's moving because it was alive. It was pulled up on the beach from a fisherman. And then in posts, in an edit, someone put a girl who is just doing this a bunch of times with pig noises and see, use CGI to connect the two. They said if you look at her hands, there's parts where her fingers disappear because the edit is so poor, oh, right? Really? She's going like this, and her fingers are just gone suddenly, and then they're back and stuff like that because it's a really poor edit in trying to get the area around the hands to disappear so they could paste it onto the image. So, oh. yes, it was a bunch of people looking at a massive fish, but that was all it was. That was the other thing was the people. You'd think that if they found something... 
I'd kill like it. a mermaid. <laughs> they'd be free- it. Yeah, I'd they'd be freaking body. out a little bit more yeah. instead of just standing around trying to figure out what was going on. These people were silent. They didn't say a dang word to each other. They just stood there. And this thing is it. like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> snorting and stuff. I Big would snorting. And... and this may piss people off, but as far as I know, mermaids, since they aren't people, they don't have rights. They're an undiscovered humanoid figure. So honestly, if I, you know, Are you took one Bigfoot for science, have rights. I, no, Bigfoot has rights. But if I took Animal one, rights. yeah. He but if I took one for science, it happened to die along the way. But I don't know. I'm not trying to get bit by a mermaid, you know, and turn into a fish person. Because who knows what that that'll stir up. <laughs> it's me, Mermaid Man. <laughs> it's Mermaid Man. <laughs> Barnacle Boy, right? I'm the the ocean master now. (laughs) I got scratched (laughs) by a mermaid. No, yeah, there would be a lot more hysteria. I don't think if there's... And see, that was in Africa as well, right? That was a video from South Africa, quote-unquote, the South South African mermaid. And they they do have their own mermaid story as well. Uh, Mammy, the water goddess. Well, I mean... So you'd think that they'd be like, oh my gosh. Right. And then if there was enough of a, of a flap in, uh, in Africa that, you know, would cause a whole bunch of people to just quit their jobs and say, I'm not going to work on this project because of this mermaid over here, then those people wouldn't have even been standing near it. They'd been like, it's going to curse us or something like that. I'm sure there's all kinds of superstition and stuff around that lore that they have, you know, so and that belief system that they have. So I don't buy that video for one second. Although it was pretty cool to see until I turned up the sound and I heard the pig noises and I was like, all right, that's dumb. (laughs) (laughs) All the grunting and stuff. Well, yep. Case closed. There you go. So do you have anything else? Not on sightings. No, but I do now have a little bit on, uh, Hans Christian Andersen. Okay. And that sounds familiar. Current Hollywood mermaid stuff. And then we talk some P.T. Barnum, which I know Jeff is super excited for. Is Hans Christian Andersen the one who did the Grim Fairy Tales? Yes. Okay. Well, some of them, yes. Okay. Cool. Uh, My favorite ready? is the Hedgehog Man. <laughs> you ready? ready mermaids have captured people's imaginations for many many years and they have quite the presence in pop culture there are many different hollywood takes on mermaids for example the h2o series aquamarine harry potter and of course the little mermaid which was a take on hans christian anderson's book written back in 1836 in 2011 a documentary called Mermaids, The Bodies Found aired on Animal Planet and claimed to have evidence of real mermaids. It went over the aquatic ape theory and seemed to have some physical evidence of a mermaid, claiming it found the remains of a mermaid inside a shark. It was later discovered that absolutely everything about this documentary was fake. The scientists in this mockumentary were nothing more than actors and actresses, and there was no real evidence of mermaids. 
publicity for the movie did include a website that that claimed to have evidence seized by the government, as well as a claim that the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, aka NOAA, had made a rebuttal statement shortly after the show aired. However, the statement had nothing to suggest that it was made in in direct relation to the movie. No evidence of aquatic humanoids has ever been found. And that is a direct quote off the website. So just a quick little bit into pop culture. Honestly, there's not a whole lot that's fun and entertaining about that one. It's pretty straightforward. It's pop culture. You guys got anything? I think that the Harry Potter version of the mermaids is probably, if they were real, the more accurate type. Because those things are more fish than they are people. And they've got the gills and the fins. And the singing. I I think they sing, though, so probably not that. But also take away the fact that they have boobs, too. Um, (laughs) Because they wouldn't need that, right? That's the more... I guess that's the siren or what yeah. should be the traditional siren um, after they lost their feathers, of course. Hmm. But yeah, so that would that would probably be the more more likely version versus like all the Hollywood versions, which is puts them more like people than fish. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Ariel, the little mermaid, totally anatomic, anatomically incorrect. Hmm does not yeah. work. It wouldn't work. It just You guys wouldn't. ever hear the song Mermaider by Death Clock? No. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> so good. Good old Death Clock. <laughs> so good. I highly suggest anybody go right now or after this episode at least and listen to Mermaider by Death Clock. Copy that. Yeah. Will do. I'm writing okay. my notes. I am also well... writing it down. <laughs> <laughs> Now we get into the hoaxes and uh, P.T. Barnum and fun stuff that I know Jeff's so excited for over there. Can, can down, feel him just on the edge back. of his seat. <laughs> <laughs> there have been some hoaxes of people claiming to have captured mermaids. The most famous mention would be that of the Fiji mermaid. July of 1842, press had heard of a man named Dr. J. Griffin, claiming that he had a mermaid that had been caught near the Fiji Islands. So there was a lot of anticipation for this man's arrival. Shortly after he had arrived, Barnum approached the papers, saying that the doctor was unwilling to display the specimen in his museum. So instead, he gave the reporters a woodcut of a beautiful woman with a fishtail used for the papers to print. This was nothing more than a publicity stunt to get Dr. Griffin to allow P.T. Barnum to display the Fiji mermaid. The real problem with this story? It was all faked. Barnum was quite the con man, and he was fully aware of the specimen was fully aware the specimen was nothing more than the upper half of a monkey sewn to the lower half of a fish. Barnum and his partner in deception partner in deception, Levi Lehman worked together to con the people of New York into believing they had actually caught a real mermaid. Barnum had planned for the papers to receive letters from Dr. J. Griffin, played by Levi Lehman himself, 
and then rented the mermaid from a man named Moses Kimball, who had purchased the specimen from a ship captain. Remember earlier when I mentioned that the Fiji mermaid was also recognized as possibly being the Ningyo? Well, in the Edo period of Japan, it was a popular practice to fabricate Ningyos and advertise or sell them as good luck charms. Unfortunately, Barnum's American Museum burned down in a tragic fire, and it is believed that the mermaid, and it is believed the mermaid burned and was because it was never good than that. Unfortunately, Barnum's American Museum had burned down in a tragic fire, and it is believed that the mermaid was burned with it since it had never been recovered. However, there are similar displays currently in the world. As mentioned, the display uh, in Asakuchi at the Engine Temple, or there's, a, there's one called the Banff Mermaid here in Canada. Uh, they're all the same thing. They are ning- what is believed to be ningyos, just paper mache fish. Uh, what's very interesting about the engine temple display is that in early of in early March of this year, a group of scientists wanted to conduct some tests on the specimen. They have started with a CT scan of the creature and said they plan to release their findings later on in the year. Could this finally debunk the mermaid debate? Quite an ugly creature, if you ask me. So ugly. Did you say BAMF? BAMF. B-A-N-F-F. BAMF. Oh, uh, okay. uh, not the acronym. B-A-M-F. No. no. BAMF. BAMF. Very well. BAMF, Alberta, Canada. Mm. It's a beautiful place. I highly recommend. So, <clears throat> let me just take this opportunity. Talk shit about P.T. Barnum. Talk a little shit about P.T. Barnum. <laughs> Please right? do. This guy I mean, is scum. He's a scumbag, <laughs> right? The Barnum and Bailey Circus. Okay, so check this out. Back in the Dinosaurs Are Fake episode, I talked about a lot of hoaxes, right? Where people would be hoaxing fossils and all kinds of stuff to, like, push along the theory of evolution and dinosaurs and blah, blah, blah. Well, P.T. Barnum is a part of that, which I, sh- I should have brought up in that episode, but I just didn't. But he had... So many hoaxes, so many of the attractions, right, that he would have in the circus were total fakes. So for one example, I don't remember exactly where he got this person from, but he had like, I think it was like a pygmy from the Congo or something like he had some, uh, I think it was a slave too. I think that it was some person that they brought over here in the slave trade. That was either really, I really want to say it was a pygmy. I might be wrong on this, but people can go look this up. And he put this person in the circus and like was saying, oh, this is like the missing link. Here's a missing link between that. You know what I'm saying? And like he did all kinds of stuff like that. And sure, you know, he was a showman and people recognize him for being a showman and a hoaxer. But I truly believe that he was connected to a lot of the same people that were pushing along these theory of evolution and all this stuff. So that's why he was doing things like here's the missing link and things like that. So yeah, PT Barnum is a piece of shit. (laughs) His partner in crime, they called him general Tom thumb. And the deal with this guy is 
P.T. Barnum put him on display and told everybody that he was a, a um like a toddler or an I don't know what the exact deal was, but basically this guy was they were playing him off to be a lot younger than he actually was. Mm-hmm. So they said he was like eight years old when he was really 30 some odd yeah. and they based it solely off this guy's size because he was a little was, person he, he was a little person stuff from mm-hmm. dwarfism yeah. and that was that was his partner in crime and that like uh barnum and tom thumb made a crap ton of money together just from him being a little person and saying he was 11 and doing this and that and the other thing and he's scum he's scummy an 11 year old with a beard yeah, I believe, he, I believe he also had displays of giant bones that he was. Now, this one's interesting because I, I believe that there was a display of giant bones that he was claiming were of giants. But it was put in the context like, you know, it's a circus, right? So like, haha, it's a giant. Like nobody really took it all that seriously. But I kind of think that this that might have been one of the things that he wasn't actually hoaxing. Again, to put it in front of you, like I did tell you the truth, is an actual giant bone, even though you guys know I'm a scumbag and I'm full of shit, so you're just going to think that it wasn't a giant bone, and perhaps it was a dinosaur bone. But, mm. yeah, there's a lot of scummy shit and interesting stuff, but the uh, the guy's an asshole. I rest my case. That would be kind of counterproductive for him, though, to to present a giant bone. Because if he was trying to push the whole missing link in evolution by throwing a giant out there, you're kind of exposing something. Even if you don't think anybody's going to catch on, it's still risky. Well, he wasn't like, that wasn't his shtick entirely. I think that he was just connected just enough to where they would push him along to push that evolution idea, right? And... So I don't know if it would be counterproductive because, again, I don't think that he was, like, all in on evolution. I just think that it was something like, okay, you got a popular circus thing here. Maybe we can get an exhibit or two in there and call this guy a missing link. And it just seeds the the population with that idea. Hmm. 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 Because this is before Hmm. TV. This is before internet. You know what I'm saying? This is just something people would just go to. You know, you're right. Just show up and see it. And be like, oh, I saw the missing link. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, screw that guy. Fuck that guy. <laughs> Can't believe they gave him a movie. Ugh. Did, did we just cyber bully like a 150 year old dude? Yes, yeah. we did. Sure did. What's he going to do about it? Start a Facebook page. <laughs> Barnum's a scumbag. <laughs> oh, I'm sure that exists already. <laughs> okay. I got one more paragraph here about <gasps> Starbucks. Okay. And then I got my closing paragraph and we're done. Okay. Nice. You guys ready for this? Ready. Yes. All righty. Starbucks logo, as mentioned in the previous episode, depicts the two-tailed mermaid, Melusine. The name Starbucks was inspired by the character Mr. Starbuck in the book Moby Dick. The founders wanted to 
evoke the seafaring traditions of the early coffee traders. Once they had their name, they needed a logo. And they wanted to stick to the seafaring thing. Stick to the seafaring theme. They started to look through any book they could possibly find in search of the right logo. And eventually came across a picture of a twin-tailed mermaid in the, in the book Dictionary of Symbols, first published in 1962. It's actually believed by some that it's actually believed by some people that Starbucks has some seriously evil ties to the unknown world around us, and the logo is just the start. The easiest point to make is that they use a siren, which is also known to be a seductive which is known to be seductive and lure men to their deaths. So this rubbed people the wrong way. Specifically looking at the logo from 1971 to 1992, it is said that there is hidden satanic imagery. If you flip the image upside down, it looks like the horns of Baphomet and is believed to be an allusion to the company's global expansion and financial domination. The company has also been accused in the past of having involvement with the Illuminati. So not too, too deep into it, but Starbucks is said to be really, really scary. This yeah. is more Jeff's territory. Fuck yes. Starbucks. Fuck Starbucks. Uh, so I'm going to just add to that with this little article here. The ancient symbolic meaning of the mythological female siren, obsession, addiction, and death. All things that people suffer from when it comes to Starbucks, right? Uh, <clears throat> let's also consider that the logo includes a circle within a circle, which often symbolizes a secret society due to the suggestion that the outer circle is unaware of what the inner circle does. Also, the three stars in a triangle, which again seem to have potential satanic or Illuminati reference. The two-tailed siren is a seductive esoteric occult symbol and is plastered all over the developed world. Just beware of the possible ongoing silent attack on your psyche through subliminal marketing and consider this as just one reason to not support such a corporation. This article is from Actual Activists, where you can actually find Shadowband Podcast as well. But yeah. <laughs> so the <laughs> rings thing, the circle thing, I came across something that said there's, I think, a total of six circles in the current Starbucks logo. And the further, like, like you said, the further away from the center you are, the less in the know you are. So if there's six circles, think about, that just made me think about how many layers there are to the deception. Yeah. And the evil and everything else. It's deep. Now, the only thing that I have a small issue with is the, the Baphomet idea. Okay. And Jake, uh, Jake will probably disagree with me on this, but I'm, I'm under the belief that the Baphomet is not necessarily a satanic symbol. It may have been co-opted. <clears throat> in fact, I believe, <clears throat> excuse me, that it was co-opted and now used as a satanic symbol, but it was used far, far before, thousands of years prior. I would say more satanic churches. Yeah, it's a, it's a pagan yeah. symbol, right? So sure, that could be seen as evil or ungodly, but the actual meaning of Baphomet is duality. It's just one of the hermetic principles you know and it, and it used to be used as a sign of protection against evil spirits and deities and then i think it was just co-opted but because it's creepy looking 
because it's creepy looking, right? Yeah. The only reason I defend it is because I have two of them tattooed on my body. So, you know, <gasps> I like to hope and think that heathen. I'm not a heathen. You're a heathen. Um, Dang heathen. Yeah, I mean, so I drink monsters, right? And Evil. Evil. Have you, you ever seen... break down the monster symbolism? Yeah, I know. I, I, I know, I know. The three sixes from the, the Hebrew, like, script and stuff. Yep. Um, and then also the upside down crosses on it and stuff. Uh, it, yep. there was that one lady that's that video. This video's been passed around, you know, probably a billion times by now. But it's that lady inside of the convention that was talking about how monsters are evil, and it's like the the CEO sold his soul to the devil and all that stuff. And then there's the hype about General Mills. There's three sixes in the G, all that sort of stuff. You know. I am under the very firm belief that the only way to have a good outcome in your afterlife, or in fact, a great outcome in your afterlife, is through Christ. And outside of that, it doesn't matter if you're a Buddhist or a, or a, um, or you're Muslim or you're an atheist or anything like that. You are on the losing end no matter what. And regardless of whether these people are legit, quote-unquote, Satanists, or they're just non-believers, the outcome is still the same. And it's just like, barring myself from buying products because I'm under the impression that someone is a Satanist who owns a company. I mean, I, I couldn't tell you how many products I use throughout the day where the CEOs just might not be Christian people, right? Um, You'd have to but, live out in the fucking woods off the grid and not right, consume anything. Yeah, it just, it'd be yeah. insane. But on the other hand of that is if there is, in fact, evidence that these people are just not just not believers in Jesus, but they're also trying to do evil things. Right. There's a difference between being, you know, evil because we're sinners or being evil because you're purposely trying to harm other people or you have some sort of like, you know, uh I don't know, agenda, right? It's just like, it's like there's a huge difference that separates Jeff, the non-Christian, from someone who murders people, right? <laughs> so there's, a, there's a, a line there, right? So I agree that companies that, you know, and that's a huge thing of just like, if there's so many people that know about this or that think they know about this, it would be a perfect opportunity for a CEO of a company to say, no, the G is just a very cool cursive G that we wanted. If you see three sixes in it, then that's the way it is. But as far as I know, the CEO has never said that, right? And that would put at least, he could be lying, but that could put people's minds at ease. Um, if they're not denying it, then there's, it's plausible that it's the truth, right? It's, it's a possibility that it's the truth. So I don't support Starbucks, not because of any sort of evil sort of stuff or I've heard all the like, you know, all the symbolism and all that stuff before. I just think their coffee's gross, <laughs> you know, and I make my coffee at home if I drink coffee at all. Um, but that's just me. Right. And <laughs> just like, I don't like all the crazy sweet sugary crap that they make, but yeah, I don't, uh, I think it is interesting that their symbolism is just so because you can't convince me for one second that, 
considering like what Kenzar just said, they looked in a book of different types of symbols and they were like, this is the one we want for a logo. They would have had to have known what it meant, right? What it represented and been like, that works, you know? <laughs> they, they even tried to pass their logo off to be a lot older than it actually is. So it was set, they claimed they got their logo of this twin-tailed Melusine from a 16th century woodcut. But woodcuts didn't exist in the 16th century. What do you mean by woodcut? It's just a wood carving with a okay. picture on it. Those weren't exactly, they didn't exist yet in the 16th century. So they were claiming to have gotten their image from something that never actually existed, which is it, it, later on, it, it came out that they just found it from this dictionary of symbols mm -hmm. and tried to pass it off as being a lot older than it actually was because they wanted to seem, they just wanted to have this elegance about them. Were they all metal heads? Cause that would make sense. I don't know. <laughs> Obsession and death. <laughs> yes but yeah that uh, I read that was a huge controversy when they first started back in the 70s today mermaids have quite the presence you can go to school to be a mermaid have mermaid parties just like a princess party but with mermaids instead and you can even get your very own mermaid tail the Wikiwachi Springs State Park in Florida has a famous mermaid show known for their performance of their version of Hans Christian Andersen's The Little Mermaid. Coney Island will be holding their 40th annual mermaid parade on June 18th this year. The parade started in 1983 and was created by the local artists in celebration of the arts. They welcome everyone to join the activities. You can become a judge, build a float for registration, and much, much more. They even crown a Queen Mermaid and King Neptune every year. And you can see the names of every king and queen ever crowned on their website. Mermaids have definitely captured the imaginations of people all over the world. So for those of you that have never been to Norfolk, Virginia, they have statues of mermaids everywhere. 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 I was reading everywhere. about those, yep. For some nefarious purpose and there's one on base too and it is painted like a sailor mm -hmm. yep. cute it's adorable so what do we think guys what is our final opinions on mermaids am i fired yet I'm not fired you're not fired. Oh, okay <laughs> my my final opinion on mermaids is I actually, I'm going to ride the fence a little bit because part of me thinks that it is possible. <gasps> yeah, I know. It's a, it's a terrible thing to do. But part of me thinks it is possible that there are something that we would consider as a mermaid. Now, I don't know if it's like what we see in the art, right? I don't know if it's like exactly half human, half fish. But something that would look like that or make you think of a mermaid may exist in the ocean. The ocean is incredibly un discovered i guess i don't know the right mm -hmm. term but you get what i'm saying not to mention the under ocean that i spoke about 400 miles below the crust who the fuck knows what's down there hmm. so it's possible on the other hand i do think that most of the stories of not just mermaids but most mythological creatures are just 
humans telling stories about whether it's celestial events or cataclysmic events or even just day-to-day events and they're encoding them into you know these mythological stories these great tales in order to pass knowledge down to generations because not everybody could read and write right so Mm -hmm. people would just have these tales that they would tell around the campfires and whatever so i'm kind of like half and half on it it's possible that they exist but also it's possible that they're just stories i don't think that mermaids exist nor do i think that they ever existed nor do i think that they exist inside of the gigantic ocean that's inside the crust of the earth <gasps> but he admitted that he believes in the gigantic ocean inside the crust of the earth yes he did I, that's because I have done some <laughs> research since since Jeff said something, and yes, it is scientifically proven that it does exist. Or have they seen it? Proven. It's just a big cavern. Listen, I only speak facts here. <laughs> As a conspiracy theorist, I am a factually direct human being. Okay. I expected I, a. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. <laughs> No, I just don't think that there, there's enough there. I don't think that, first of all, there are a lot of sea stories about mermaids, but there actually isn't that many that are still left in existence. Um, back in the day. Way, way, way back in the day, at the beginning of Infinite Rabbit Hole, somebody at work was like, you should do an episode on mermaids. So I took about 15 minutes and researched (laughs) mermaids, and I said, nope. (laughs) You're like, nah. Nah, I'm good. Yeah. Um, Although I know that this is a very popular topic, and Kenzo, you did a great job. Okay? I'm not. I'm not convinced, but... I think you did a great job. Uh, congratulations on getting through your first episode, by the way. And Thank you. I can't wait to, to hear what else you have in store for everyone in the future. But uh, no, I don't think that mermaids are or were a thing. I think that the stories are based in reality of what people saw, but it was exaggerated over time. And uh like playing a game of telephone oral traditions oral stories got more and more and more ridiculous um points of the tribe that relies on the sea thousand year old tribe um sea people like i said turning into you know uh was it like a sea tribe sea people blah blah all this stuff maybe Maybe manatees being seen, people not knowing exactly what they were, but knowing that there's some kind of like water dwelling something or another um, that was different from a dolphin or a whale or a um, seal, right? Or a sea lion, if they had seen those things too. Maybe those as well, you know, but people seeing that and then telling that story to others and then that runs wild uh i think that people going all over the place had a lot to do with it and just like we were talking about right in the beginning you know the uh people that were 
on the coastline that more relied on the sea for their food sources, putting the importance of the sea and the fish into their stories and their ways of explaining stuff. I think that all of it kind of ties in together and that there's a really good explanation for it and it just evolved from there. Um, but as far as them being real, I would say unless there's a fish out there that maybe has more, say its its front fins are more elongated to look like what could be arms or whatever, um, whatever. You know, there there could be something out there that we would, like Jeremy was saying, we could say that looks like what a mermaid is said to look like, right? But I don't think it's, if they do exist, it's anything like what has ever been portrayed in Hollywood on any sort of paintings or, you know, anything like that. I changed my minds on mermaids when I did my research. I used to think that they were a thing, but now I don't. <laughs> they're, um, they're fake monkey fish. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Just, before doing all the research, I was like, "There's, they can totally exist. There, I would not be surprised if they existed. Like, and 20 years from now, we actually find a mermaid and, oh my gosh, the, the, the stories are true, blah, blah, blah. I don't think that's going to happen anymore. Um, it, <laughs> it was the ape theory. I think that theory is garbage. Total hmm. garbage. Yeah, because monkeys don't like swimming in the water, right? No. Actually, there, there are some that, that do fairly well, in, including Bigfoot. Bigfoot does really good in, in the water. No, I'm dead serious. There is a ton of reports about Bigfoot swimming. Okay, Jeremy. No, I'm just fucking with you. I okay, Jeff. You brought Bigfoot in the episode, though. I brought him in earlier. I brought him in with you seeing Bigfoot when you were a kid. Tid Tidbit facts of Bigfoot. That's right. Every episode. Every single one. Yeah. I believe Bigfoot can swim because he does throw alligators here in Florida. So he's got to get them. Live ones. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, gotta yeah. get him from that somewhere. Would be cool to see. I gotta admit. No, it would not be cool. It's the last <laughs> thing you ever want to see is a Bigfoot throwing a live alligator. Shout out, Hunter Shea. Thro- getting thrown at me, I think it'd it be would pretty be cool. You. Don't even want to see it thrown anywhere. You don't know that. <laughs> nope. Unless you're, unless you're like, no, you don't want to see it. <laughs> you don't see it. Would it be more like on the underside, lifting it up from under its neck and its tail and throwing it like no. like a javelin? Or would it be more like grabbing it on its on its back scales and its tail and then swinging it around? And no, 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 it's, it's, it's just grabbing it by the tail. <laughs> oh, by yeah, the tail. Doing the... Whipping it <laughs> and just pulling it in an open mouth right to your face. And <laughs> like a whole <laughs> man. <laughs> So it's, not, it's not really going for aerodynamics <laughs> and flight pattern. It's more going for a flinging ability. It's and going like, for like a crowd control situation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like lawn darts with, with alligators. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, I'm, when it comes to things like mermaids and dog people and, you know, all that sort of stuff, because I'm in the realm of believing that Bigfoot could exist. It's hard for me to kind of branch out of that because people could 
come up with the exact same stuff. There's never been a body recovered. There's been a lot of footprints. Some of them look more real. Some of them are definitely hoaxes. Um, there's pictures and there's videos that, you know, you could talk about to your blue in the face about how realistic they are, like the Patterson Gimlin film. But there's still going to be people that are going to deny that, like my brother, and say that that's complete crap, right? They just, there's no convincing <gasps> them. Grayson? No, no, no. Um, one of the other ones, Justin. So, but there's just like, I want to bring that same thought process of, well, it could exist into other things, but as it gets more and more ridiculous that like you have to reach so far to make it work, it's just like, all right, just, it doesn't make any sense. But I still find myself in that spot from time to time. I really want to give it the space that it deserves and to allow it to make, try to make sense in my mind. But for mermaids, I just can't. And one of the hardest ones for me was just the idea of, well, how does it breathe? You know, because that the would... anatomy is a big question. Like right. how. How great you see you hear swim. mermaid and you you literally think of this uh you think of Ariel, you think yeah. of King Triton, you you these are the images you conjure up in your head, but the reality is is that wouldn't work at all. So yeah. what is the anatomy of this thing? What does it actually look like? So that that's and getting into the ape theory for me, that's where I started to kind of question why, why is this even a thing? How could it be a thing? Right. And there's a reason why animals that live in the ocean propel themselves with front fins and back fins or front flippers and a tail or some other type, unless they're like otters and seals and sea lions and whatever because they go up on land to mate and to rest and all these sorts of things if they're exclusively in the land i mean how or exclusively in the water rather how great would it be to be having to rely on having front hands and arms like even if they were webbed you know i think that if that was a more efficient way and i'm kind of playing into the evolutionary side for a little bit because i do believe in adaptation i do right i i'm not going to deny that the finches have had different beaks right they adapted but if that was a more convenient way then you'd have to think that more fish that we have today would have these long spindly arms and these like you know front little flipper things right or they'd be more like whales would still have legs yeah and then they would be unstoppable but <laughs> yeah, so it's just like the anatomy of it makes zero sense. So it would be way more likely that there were stories, there was representation in important things in people's lives, um, and that, you know, the mythologies grew from there and that people saw like manatees or otters or something like that. And they're just like, Yeah, it was as long as a person was, but it had fins and flippers and blah blah, all this sort of stuff. It could swim swim really well. And then that through just passing down the story just gets weirder and weirder and weirder until you have, you know, that was beautiful women singing a song where where in reality it's an elephant seal being like on a beach, right? (laughs) You know? Yeah. (laughs) 
that that was the other thing for me as well the stories like jeremy was saying he did 15 minutes of research and said i'm not doing this i did way more than 15 minutes of research that's jeremy and stupid me it's a lot of the same story it really is that they're all over the place you got a body of water river lake ocean doesn't matter you've got a mermaid story local to you somewhere somewhat local to you and it's they're all the exact same description the exact same stories Mm -hmm. give or take a few variations so like what i presented with the mythology was the stories that i thought were the most interesting and what i thought was a little bit different than the average mermaid story Mm -hmm. but it it was a lot of the same stuff and cycling through a lot of the same bullshit (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i think that i think that you did good you i believe that you presented all of the information as best as you can and you know if i mean if you're trying to present a topic that's you know pretty obviously false you can only do so well you know and i think you you did a great job with it you know it's it's not your fault that it's a you know crap creature you know (laughs) yeah (laughs) that it's take it from the only other guy who did a crap creature show (laughs) what did you do not me jake what jake's jake's wearable pant oh yeah pants episode that was that was mint his bright white traveling pants episode you know what i uh, i'm I'm gonna i have a bone to pick with you later You know what? <laughs> I know what you're, I think I know what you're gonna say. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Listen, and I'm just it's like, a good video, I was like, man. It's a jab. It's a. I had to use it. I laughed so hard when I saw that. I did actually. too. <laughs> I was like, the scumbag. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, I'm over here. Yes, he put the night crawlers in. <laughs> I mean, I like it. Don't get me wrong. I like it. I like the whole thing. But I was looking at that. I was like, that. Jeff, I thought you'd like that. Hopefully, everyone can learn what we're talking about soon. It'd be pretty cool. Oh, it's a be. surprise. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. Well, you'll know eventually. I can say from firsthand about talking about lore. You know, something that's not necessarily cryptid, but more of mythology, like the unicorn and Krampus. Mm-hmm you do have to dig real deep. It is very hard to come up with some information that's going to, let's be honest, isn't dry. It's, yeah. it's tough uh, because when you're dealing with lore, you're dealing with something that's pretty much already written. Right. Whereas like Bigfoot, we can go on to Google and look up brand new Bigfoot news to this day. I bet you there's something Bigfoot that popped up in the country uh-huh. and you know, other cryptids are are not as active as Bigfoot when it comes to like the news and stuff, but you still see stuff like dogmen and and uh you know lake monsters and stuff like that. You still see it. Thunderbirds, right? But mermaids, unicorns, Krampus, all the stuff that we've talked about when it comes to mythologies, it's all already written. And there's no new new stuff coming out. When that video came out, I was like, I was shocked. I was kind of like, wow, that's a, I was not expecting that. Um, And 
in the back of my head, I was like, this is definitely fake. It's got to be fake. You know, I thought I thought maybe like her legs were dug into the sand and mm-hmm. then like they laid the fish next to her and didn't actually put her legs into the into the fish. Um, you know, I was looking for subtle signs around stuffed them right in. Yep. That that's what it looked like. <laughs> it really it looked, does look like that. It looked like that fish you used a poor girl as a gag ball. And just, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, man, but yeah, you know, you you don't get new sightings of Krampus because I mean Krampus is literally mythology. Uh same thing with unicorns. You don't get new sightings of unicorns. You don't really I mean there's people that say that they see mermaids and stuff and but that's pretty much done you know the the whole mermaid sightings thing is very very few and far between you know i'm sure there's still people out there saying that they see a unicorn and people that geez i'm sure there's people that say they even seen krampus but <laughs> seen them in on you know in my tv but that's about it um so yeah, I I know how hard it is, and uh, you know I'm, I'm happy with the stuff that you brought to the table. You did a great job, Kenzar. Seriously, thank you. I'm, I was really nervous about this. I was ready to totally go down in flames. No need, <laughs> no need. You know what? Showing weakness this, fired. No, this is this is something that people have asked for. They have asked for mermaids. I've had a handful of people already ask me when we're going to cover mermaids, and I got you guys covered. I'm happy you got it out of the way because I didn't want to do it. <laughs> I got everybody covered here. I think I'm sitting here thinking when you're speaking, Jeremy, about, you know, the the lecture we have today of the Internet and Mm -hmm. how like Google Translate can translate something that's in Greek into English. Right. And you'll get pretty much the it probably won't be a great translation, but you'll get the gist of what's being said and things like that. In the days where the the mermaid lore was being perpetuated. It was completely unverifiable. Yes. Like you would have to have someone's personal journal to read or learn a new language and look up historical records and whatnot if you had ever were going to be, you know, able to access that kind of stuff. Like stories like this, it's no wonder why they exploded because, you know, someone could have said that they saw a person running around with, you know, 15 legs and three heads and stuff. And you would have no way to verify that. And if you heard it twice, you were more likely to say, all right, this is probably a real thing. You know? <laughs> so, or you had to have that one guy that was there that that the person telling the story didn't know was there. You yeah. know, the person telling the story is like, yeah, I, uh, I had a lovely evening with a mermaid. And then the guy that comes out of the shadows, he's like, he's lying. Fuck he was a fish. seal. Yeah. <laughs> 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 So he's trying to get away the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then even even then, like if you were caught lying, right, they could just turn around and be like, he's a witch. And yeah. then, you know, he'd be burned. <laughs> so it's, uh, uh, you know, he's a fish it, man now. <laughs> he's old Greg. He's a scaly man fish. Old Greg. He's old Greg. <laughs> I'm glad the reference was got. I'm very stoked. That's the name of my bike. Old Greg. Old Greg, huh? Yeah. I like right it. On. He's not right pretty, on. but, you know, he'll do the trick. <laughs> well, does anybody else have anything else to add? It's my bedtime. Yes, we know. All right. Well, uh, that has been another episode of the Infinite Rabbit Hole Podcast. Thank you for stopping in this week and the week before. 
to discuss mermaids via Kenzar. Kenzar, thank you very much. You did a great job once again. Thank you. I hope everybody likes it. I'm excited for this one. Give me feedback, please. Next week, as of right now, is still kind of up in the air as to what we're doing. We have something planned. Uh, hopefully it doesn't fall through. Unfortunately, we've had to reschedule a couple times, but hopefully it works out. If not, I uh, believe... You know what? I'm just not going to say it. This is going to be the one week where you guys don't get any uh, any solid information about next week. Yeah, shut up, Jeremy. Hopefully it's hopefully it's going <laughs> to knock your fucking socks off. Um. Yeah, that's it. Thank you for stopping in, and we'll see you at the next fork in the path of the infinite rabbit hole. Bye. 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 Nailed it. Bye.